The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Uh, praise God for a beautiful time of worship. By the way, if these guys made a record, would you listen to it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty, by the way, if you're a kid, you can come on down. Your, your leaders are uh, at the front, and then all of our kids are going to head off to our kids' ministry. By the way, uh, we had uh, two more babies at Story City Church this week. Um, actually, we've had one, and one is in the birthing process as we speak, all right? And so we can pray for Darrell and Kiara, uh, who are having a baby this morning. Uh, gosh, you guys sound so good. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm blown away uh, watching what God is doing in our city and in our midst. And this is just a really, really good thing. In two weeks, we celebrate one year in our city. And uh, here's what I want to ask you. You can, you can cheer for that. Um, I want to ask you to consider who you might involve in that celebration. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have food trucks and we're going to have a bounce house for the kids. It's going to be a really good time in two weeks. All right. And and so we hope you will be here. Welcome, by the way, to the fourth week of a series we call Reset. We started this uh, the second week of January. This is the time of year when people just begin to think about making changes in life. And so we spent the first week talking about um, resetting our vocation and how we think about it. We carried it over into the second week. And then last week we talked about resetting our spiritual lives. And Craig brought an incredible message for us. And so today, uh, we want to uh, continue with the reset theme, but we want to talk about rest. We want to talk about resetting our, our rest, how we rest our minds, how we rest our bodies. And I think it's so important for us today. And I want to encourage you just for the next few minutes as we open up this scripture, because I know how this works. And I've come to church like you, many of you have come today, and your mind is thinking about what you're doing this afternoon and what you got to do this week. And you're already making your to-do list. And some of you guys are checking Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Can I ask you just for a moment, just look at your pastor just for a moment. Put it down. Rest in this moment, and let's see what God would have to say to us. Can we do that? Let's pray together. Jesus, uh, I thank you for the moment you've given us today. God, it's never happened before. It will never happen again. Jesus, I pray in the next few minutes as we open up Scripture together, God, I pray that you would speak to us about the discipline of Sabbath rest, God, why it's so vital, God, what it looks like, and God, how do we get there? God, I pray that we would just not... Um, rush ahead in our thoughts, Lord, that we, we just understand what it means to take a day off. But God, would you mine the depths of our heart and our soul this morning, and would you dig deeply into who we are, God, and how you have not requested and you've not asked, Lord, you've commanded that we take Sabbath rest. So it's in your sweet and precious and holy and unbelievable name of Jesus who has brought us from death to life, who has brought us from being a slave to being free. Jesus, we pray that prayer in your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Do you have anybody in your life that's always busy? <laughs> You got somebody, do you have somebody in your life who every time you pick up the phone and you're like, hey man, let's, let's go to dinner. Hey man, let's go catch a movie. Hey man, let's do this. Um, 
uh, um, it could be a lady. I'm just saying, man. Hey, let's, let, let's do this. They're always like, man, I am so busy. How was your week? Oh, it was incredibly busy. Hey, what, how, what's going on? Oh, man, I just got a million things going on. Look, I understand that. I used to be like that. I used to love being busy. I used to love the thought of being busy. I used to love the thought of people thinking that I'm busy. I get it. We live in a busy culture. But I find it strange that we glorify this idea of being busy and we minimize this idea of rest, right? Like as if being busy is more productive than resting. Isn't that strange to you? So how do we respond? Well, we respond with vacation, right? Uh, you, none of you have this experience. I'm confident it's solo to me. But I love vacation. My wife and I have been to some really nice places, and then we've just had regular, normal vacation. But I always look forward to vacation. Here's how it always goes down. I love to find the best deal. I will always find the best deal. It will always be beachfront. It will always have a beautiful view. It will always be great restaurants nearby. And it will always be restful, relaxing, and amazing. And so I find the best deal at the most restful, relaxing, amazing place. I map out the books that I'm going to read. I pack them in my backpack. And we are prepped and ready and prepared to recharge our batteries. And then the last day of vacation is this moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, the gates of hell have bust wide open and I'm like, how can I be so tired and stressed and not relaxed at the end of vacation? Anybody else have that experience? Anybody ever had that? Like, like vacation is my answer to being busy, and it never seems to work itself out. Like, busyness is rewarded in our society. Rest is seen as not being as productive. And we respond by taking vacations that never allow us to relax in the first place. And rest is usually evasive for us. Now listen to me this morning. We're going to open up scriptures in the book of Mark chapter 2, and then we're going to go to a couple other places this morning. But this is not a Hallmark card today. I'm not teaching you how to spend your best seven days on vacation. I'm not, not teaching you how to spend a day off. There's something underneath this whole idea of Sabbath rest, and we have to get to the work underneath the work of taking Sabbath rest. And I want to get us there today. And I want to try to answer, I want to try to answer three important questions. Number one, why does Scripture command us to rest? Like, 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 why is it? And some of us have this idea of Sabbath rest because of the tradition we came out of or whatever it may be, and it may not be true to Scripture. And then I want to ask, what does it look like? And then thirdly, uh, I just spend like the very minutia part of this sermon saying how do, we, how do we rest biblically? So Mark chapter 2, Starting in verse 23, it's um, a story about Jesus and his disciples, and it's going to launch us into this idea of Sabbath rest. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23, you can read along on the screen. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along, and they began to pick some of the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, they said to Jesus, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, The Sabbath, this is what Jesus responds to the Pharisees who are claiming that he is breaking the Pharisaical law, the Jewish tradition of 
Sabbath rest, this is what Jesus says. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So we look at verse 23 and we look at verse 24 here in Mark chapter 2 and we understand what's happening. Jesus and his disciples are traveling from one place to another on the way to do ministry. And in fact, we find later on, if we lead, read down in chapter 3 or if we go over to Luke chapter 6, we realize that right after this, Jesus actually heals a man's hand on the Sabbath. And so Jesus, from all outward appearances, according to Jewish tradition, is actually working. Jewish tradition had 39 categories of work that was forbidden on the Sabbath day. Reaping grain would have been one of them. We probably could classify what they were doing in multiple different categories, and all 39 of those categories could be broken out into other categories of work that the Jewish tradition forbid on the day of Sabbath. So since we take that from the Old Testament, and the Pharisees accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath, you would think in this moment that Jesus is about to abolish the Sabbath because it seems as though Jesus is working today. It seems as though Jesus is not abiding by Jewish law and he's actually working, so it would appear that Jesus is breaking the Sabbath. Now, I don't know what tradition you grew up in. I don't know if the Sabbath was ever a part of your life as a kid. If you grew up in church, I grew up in church, and the Sabbath was this strange, um, like it was this strange legalistic day. You didn't work. You, 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 you didn't go out to eat after church. Uh, you didn't ride the go-kart. You didn't go down to the friend's house to play. I mean, the Sabbath day was where you sat there and you read your Bible and you prayed and did all kinds of spiritual things, and that was all you did on Sabbath day. And, or, or maybe some of you guys didn't come out of a church tradition, and the idea of taking a day off, <laughs> the idea of taking a day off is so, um, is so evasive for you because you understand how busy life is and how much you need to do in order to get done what you were supposed to do, and how at the end of every day, there's never enough that was done that should have been done. So I don't know what tradition you come from, and I don't know... Your, what your thought is of a Sabbath day's rest. But what's happening here is Jesus is not actually abolishing the Sabbath day by his actions. He's not about to abolish the Sabbath in his teaching. And later, um, the disciples would not abolish the idea of Sabbath either. Um, but, 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 but what's happening here is that Jesus is, is um, unfolding the idea of Sabbath. Now, now to understand this discipline, it's, it's really important for us to, to, to understand what Scripture says about Sabbath. Um, you, you, you probably understand this if you come, come from a church tradition, but in Exodus chapter 20, when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 verse 8 said, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Verse 9 in Exodus 20 says, Six days you will labor and you will do all of your work. Verse 10, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And so we understand this idea of a Sabbath rest coming from the Ten Commandments. We also see it in the Old Testament in Leviticus 23, 24, and 25. And it tells us that there were scheduled days that were required to take off. There were scheduled seasons that were required to be taken off. And then there were scheduled even years that were required for Sabbath. In fact, Leviticus 25 tells us that even the land had a Sabbath year. So every seventh year, Leviticus says the land would lay dormant. And by the way, in this time, many people would have their livelihood based in the land. They would grow food. They would sell food. They would store food. It was based in the land. And so 
God says, even that will have a Sabbath day. It's so interesting if you read Leviticus 25. That, that God says, so, so, so I can imagine what most of us think. Oh, how can you take a year off? Like there won't be enough. There won't be enough provision. We don't have enough to eat. We don't have enough to sell. We can't pay our bills. And so, but what Leviticus 25 says is that God would even make provision in year number six such that when the land took off year number seven, not only would there be enough provision for year number seven, but God says, I will make provision not only for year seven, I will make provision for year eight, and I will also make provision for year nine. Now, I think that's very instructive for us, and we're going to unroll this in just a second. But even in their Sabbath year, God made provision for their rest from work. Now, let's go all the way back to the beginning, okay, because this is good. The book of Genesis, when God creates, the book of Genesis, when God creates, we've been, we've been in this passage um, as we talked about work. And if you missed the, 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 the two weeks that we did on work and even last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. But let me go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Bob, you don't have these two verses on screen, but you'll have verse 2. So listen to what the scripture says. Now, God saw all that he had made, and it was, what do you remember it was? It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now listen to verse 1 of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Verse 2, you have this on the screen. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work. Hold on to it. He had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Okay, first of all, we got some theological issues here, right? Like we have some theological issues with God, with, uh, with God resting. It doesn't seem to equate with this understanding that we have of God from the Old Testament, from the New Testament. If God is eternal, if God is tireless, if God is inexhaustible, have you ever wondered, why would God rest? Have you ever thought about that? Like, like if this is who God is, and by the way, once creation was put in order, it's not like God just, just took a break and like he, he, he exited himself from the process. Like I look around, I know my life and some of your lives, some of your lives are a full-time job for God. And so it's not just like God exited himself from the creation. And so when God creates though, he makes this statement that it is completed. The work is is finished. It's almost as if God, now listen to me, it's almost as if God's accomplishments lead him to rest. As if God's accomplishments lead him to rest, and I would say this even further, the rest of God, the rest of God is tied to his finished work. The rest of God is tied to his finished work, and it's in this very thought that we need to understand why we need to unrest. So let me unroll this and let me ask this question and it's gonna be on the screen. Why does scripture command us to rest? Because here's the deal. I could stand up here today and I could write you a Hallmark card and tell you to go home tomorrow and take the entire day off. But all of us have this idea of what a day off looks like. Some of us, it looks like playing video games all day long into the wee hours of the morning when you're totally exhausted the next day and you gotta get up for work. That's not Sabbath rest. Some of us have this other idea that, that the Sabbath should be filled with all sorts of different things or, or a lack of a sort of different things. And so it doesn't do us any good to talk about how to take Sabbath if we don't understand the why God commands us to take Sabbath. Now let's try to unroll this just for a second, okay? Wouldn't it make sense that the most accomplished people on earth would be the most rested? Like think about some of the most accomplished people you know. 
I think about their lives and think about how they work. Um, I, I just think about... Um, I just think about, like, like if you have uh, ever seen people on social media that are projecting something and selling something to you, like, this changed my life. I took off from work forever, and now I'm always on the beach, and I'm always on the mountains, and I'm always with my families. And it's so interesting because all of those videos from vacation are actually them working on vacation. Like, like it would make sense if the most accomplished people in the world were the most rested people, but, but, but they're not. And, and, and so it's this idea that we accomplish, but we find ourselves unable to rest. So, so here's this thought. Achievement and recognition become, become the golden calf statues in our lives. And as a result, we're working at home after hours, put the kids to bed, or if you're home alone, you work, you work at all hours of the night trying to accomplish what you didn't get accomplished today. And then when you get to tomorrow, you're, you're still doing the same thing. You're spinning all of these plates. You're signing up for all of these things in life to do. And, and, and life becomes about our accomplishments and the things that we do. And so what the reality is, is that our attempts to keep the wheel spinning are our attempts actually to be almighty God. You didn't hear me there. Our attempts to keep all of the plates spinning in our life are actually attempts for us to be almighty God. As if we have control over it all, and so we can't take a break because it all depends on us. We want to rely on ourselves and our own self-sufficiency, but listen to me, eventually you burn out. Eventually you burn out, and rest then is just another round of performance. Your day off, it's not restful. Why? Because you're thinking about tomorrow, what you didn't do yesterday. And so now it's another round of performance. You're achieving and accomplishing. And so rest is never rest to you. And that's because rest is a reflection of the regular rhythms of our life. Because we validate who we are by what we do and what we accomplish. Our self-image rests in that. What we're doing and so what's happening here is that there's this undercurrent in all of our lives. There's this undercurrent of like self-shame and guilt and proving ourselves and restlessness that is produced from our work because we can never get away from it. We can never get away from it. So even when we try to get away from it, there's still this undercurrent that we've never dealt with. And our mind is constantly thinking about the place we need to go back to or the place we need to head to. And so there's this undercurrent of dissatisfaction and guilt and shame that constantly haunts us even in our attempts to take Sabbath rest. And that undercurrent is very often why our Sabbath is rarely a renewal for us. You don't just need rest from physical labor. Uh, I'm like, like I, I get working hard. I understand it, and I understand this is a city where, where we work really hard. But it's not just physical labor that you need a rest from. That's important, and it's vital, and it's part of the Sabbath process. But, but, but a day of physical rest is, is totally necessary, but that's not the totality of the understanding of the discipline of Sabbath rest. Here it is. You need rest from yourself. You need rest from yourself because the discipline of Sabbath rest is a reprieve from yourself. That's the undercurrent that's going on here. 
That's why we are typically dissatisfied and carrying around all this guilt even on our day offs. There's the ambition and the shame of it all in our accomplishments. Even though God's accomplishments led him to rest, our accomplishments can, seems to never lead us to that place. Do you know regardless of what happened in those six days, God is still God. <laughs> God was still God. He is still God. He will still be God. Regardless of what God created in those six days, God was still God. And God still is God, and God still will be God. Now, can I say it very personally to you? Regardless of what you accomplished or you created last week, God is still God to you. And, and therein lies part of our, our issue. The discipline of Sabbath rest reminds us of satisfaction and completion. And part of the reason that we can't rest is because we're still completing <laughs> and we're still satisfied. So why does God command us to rest? Because we need a reprieve from ourselves. Now, what does Sabbath rest look like? What does it look like? Not, not just the how-tos and the ABCs. Of, uh, I'm not talking about practically yet, but, but, but let, me, let me talk to your soul for just a moment. What does rest look like? Rest looks like trusting and dwelling in God. Rest looks like trusting and dwelling in God, believing the truth that he holds you perfectly and safely and he is sovereign over your task and relationships. Listen to me. Rest is truly spiritual. <laughs> rest is not just a physical reprieve from your demanding schedule. It truly is spiritual and we can rest because we've been accepted. <laughs> and some of you need to hear that every day, all day. Rest means you can do so because you've been fully loved and fully approved by God if you're a believer and you know Jesus. But that doesn't mean that life is, is kicked in the pants, right? Like, like, like if I can rest, it means, man, I got it all kicked in the pants. My bills are paid for. I know what tomorrow holds. I know what the future holds. The retirement account is stocked up. I mean, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect and, and we've got it negotiated where there's a comfort level in our lives. That's not what, what the ability of being able to rest means. It means that God has completed, Genesis 1, 2, 1. It means that God has finished Genesis 2, 2, and you can rest in the fact that he's in control of your finances, <laughs> your job, your relationships, your future, and what you produce. Some say, uh, so, some, may, some may think of that idea, and they're like, man, that, that, that makes me feel lazy. <laughs> can I say to you, that doesn't make you feel lazy. That makes you feel loved. That doesn't make you feel lazy. That makes you feel loved that God is so concerned about you that he holds every ounce and every bit of uh, future in his hands and he knows what's happening. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says this. I love this. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. <laughs> And I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. It's easy to get that word confused when you don't understand Sabbath rest, right? It's easy to get, get, get what Jesus says here confused. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everybody's trying to, trying, to, trying to work out their own identity by what they do, but you will only get rest in Jesus. 
Um, it's interesting that when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, Scripture tells us that there was an infinite restlessness by Jesus on the cross. You ever thought about that? Like, like, why is Jesus in agony and pain, and why is he restless in this moment? Well, theologically, we understand that in that moment on the cross, God laid the sin of the world on Jesus. Your sin, my sin, the sin of your children, the sin of the future, the sin of the past, the sin of the present. All the sin of the world was laid on Jesus, and Scripture tells us because God is holy. He is separate from unrighteousness and uncleanness and evil and what we call sin because God is holy. God can't look on sin and be in the presence of sin. So in the moment that Jesus is on the cross, God turns away from Jesus. Can you capture that just for a moment? And so therefore Jesus is restless. I, I would propose to us that those who turn away from God will never experience rest. Because it's always left up to you and who you are and what you have done. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 tells us the story of the Israelites and why they never entered into the rest of the promised land. And Hebrews 3 and 4 makes it very clear that the Israelites never entered into the rest of the promised land because they had trouble and difficulty trusting God. I would propose to us today that many of us have difficulty resting because we have difficulty trusting in God. So if you can get to the heart of it, if you can understand the work underneath the work and the why behind it all, I believe it's at that point then you have the ability to begin to speak practically about what Sabbath rest can look like. So let me just spend a couple minutes and, and we're going to be done talking about the practice of Sabbath rest. How, how, how do we biblically rest? I want to break it kind of into two, two thoughts here, and it's not going to go long, okay? Um, the first thought is, is, is I want to speak to your heart just for a moment and, and speak to your soul just for a moment. This is not a how to um, manage your day off. This is really a part that you need to understand in the depths of who you are. If you know Jesus, this is really, you need to grasp this before you begin to think about what the discipline looks like. And here's the first thought. It's a heart discipline. This is, this is a soul discipline. Number one, and I phrase it like this, and I hope it will make sense to you. When you think about biblical rest, you need to unchain yourself from what you do and remember whose you are. Unchain yourself from what you do and who you are. If, if, if you understand this idea of slavery, you understand that slavery, slaves have no days off. And if you can't take a rest from your company, a rest from your job, your own expectations, your performance, then essentially if you're too busy to say no, you are a slave. And you belong to whatever's owning you. And so the discipline of Sabbath rest needs to practice this soul discipline, this heart discipline of understanding I need to break the chains of my heart and remember, remember that I don't, it's not about what I do, it's who I belong to. Number two, this is another heart discipline, then I'm just going to speak practically to you. I, I said it like this, you need to recalibrate your trust. You need to recalibrate your trust, and it sounds very similar to number one, but, 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 it's this idea that, that you're not God. <laughs> you're not God. He is. And you're not solely responsible for bringing in the income, meeting your family's needs. 
You're not God. He is. And, and I, 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 I understand this. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm confident there are people in here who own their own businesses. There are a million things that are on your plate. I, I get the thought that, that we can be infinitely busy and some of us can be fooled into this idea that if I don't do it, it won't get done and the world comes unseamed at its, at its, uh, at, at its core. <laughs> And I would say to you this morning, one pastor said, um, God will break your hands if he needs to in order to remove you from the things that harm you. That sounds harsh, but some of us may have our arms and our hands gripped around the things that we do, and we have such difficulty letting them go that it may just maybe take God breaking your fingers to get your hands off. So don't wait. (laughs) Don't wait to begin the discipline of Sabbath rest until you're in the emergency room having a heart attack. Don't wait to think about the discipline of Sabbath rest whenever your wife or your, your spouse, your, your, your loved ones are standing over your grave because you worked yourself to death. It's not just you that's, that's, that's in charge You need to recalibrate your trust in this discipline of Sabbath rest and understand you're ultimately trusting in God for your perfection, your your completion, your satisfaction. Now, now let me just breeze through this and we're going to be done. Let me talk about just an external type of discipline, a physical discipline, if you will. Um, Number one, I I, I think you need to take more Sabbath time. (laughs) I don't know you and I don't know your story, um, but I would have to guess, given the age of our church, um, I think the older you become, the more you realize the discipline of Sabbath rest is necessary. And so it's not uncommon at an early age in life, in adulthood, that you just work, work, work. I don't know your story. I don't know your job. I don't know your time constraints. But I would say you probably need to take more time. Number two. Um, I, I don't know the best way to say this, but, but let, me, let me just try to unfold it. I think you should um, equalize out your Sabbath days. You need to balance your Sabbath days. What do you mean by that? I mean, you need to consider what those days off look like for you, okay? Like, like it, you need to do some things that aren't normally what you do at work. Like if you drive all the time, like if you're driving constantly for work, don't get in the car, take a walk. <laughs> Do some things that you don't constantly do. Number two in this idea of balancing your your day, and I'm gonna tell you what it looks like for me. Number two in balancing your day, do something that engages your mind, your heart, your soul. Read, pray, study, think. And then the last thought on this, balancing your Sabbath time. Do something that's totally unplanned and unscheduled. Like leave part of your day wide open. this is, uh, there's a lot of days I come to you and I want to teach you from the scriptures and I'm like, um, this is hard for me, God, to teach uh, others what you're saying to me because I have major areas in my life where I need to work on this. I want to say to you, I believe this is one of the areas of my life. When we were di- dividing out the, this series and what, who would teach what, I, I, I dove in and said, I'm, I'm definitely taking rest. I feel like this is an area that I can speak from my heart about. Um, Last spring, if you're from Toluca, how many of you guys are from Toluca Lake? Do you live in Toluca Lake? How many of you guys? Okay, a couple of you guys do. Um, Last spring, when my wife and I would drop our kids off on Monday, Monday is my day off. When when we would drop our kids off from school, our rhythm always looked like this last spring. My wife and I with Roman, we would go and have breakfast together. 
um, after breakfast, we would drive over to Toluca Lake, we would park in a neighborhood, and we would, we would walk the neighborhood. And I would pray for the people that live in Toluca Lake. If you're here today, I wanna to take credit for you being here, okay? Because I, we would literally pray that God would send people, I don't know why, we just, God would send people from Toluca Lake, I don't know. It's not the fact that Beaver lives there. It's just that, that, we, uh, that we just prayed for Toluca Lake. That was our rhythm. Breakfast, walk and pray together, and, and, and we could talk about whatever, but we couldn't talk about work. And then we would eat lunch at home, we would pick our kids up, and then this is what my Monday afternoons, and mo for the most part, most, almost every Monday afternoon looks like this. I take a nap. <laughs> I take a really long nap on Monday afternoons. I have no shame about it. I have no regrets about it. It's unscheduled. It's unplanned. Can I say further to you? I'm a pastor, and some of you are like, Matt, that doesn't make sense because you don't know my schedule. The world depends on me. <laughs> I have emails, I have people. You don't live in reality, Pastor. I wanna to say to you, I believe I do live in reality. I believe I see reality as well as anybody in this room. I see the highs, I see the lows. I see birth, I see death. I see the abundance, I see the lack of. I understand reality. I wanna to say to you as your pastor, the reality is you need to take some time off because you are not God and the world will not come unhinged because you do so. There are very rare occasions on Mondays where I will take my phone and I will pay attention to it. Now, there have been days over the last couple of years since I've been here, last two years, that there have been emergencies that have come up that I've had to respond to. Our, our, all of our pastoral team has had a moment like that on Mondays when we take off. For the most part, I don't check email. If you call me on Monday and I don't call you back, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's not because I don't like you. It's because I'm taking a Sabbath day off. And whatever you have a need for, it's not that important. <laughs> don't be offended by that. I don't respond to texts. I don't even hardly ever respond to Tyler's text or Craig's text. And you know what? I expect them to do the same. When we do our staff values and we bring on new staff, one of the staff values is we will rest, we will retreat, we will relax. We will spend our days off taking a day off. I think I understand reality. I don't know what yours is specifically. I know it's not gonna come unhinged if you take some time. Last thought and then I'm done. Know the seasons of your life. Know the seasons of your life. I, I understand there are seasons when, when you may be busier than other times. When you're planning a church, you're gonna be really busy. You're starting a business, you're gonna be really busy. When, you're, when, you're, when you've got, um, when you've got an, an acting gig, you're gonna have a specific time frame and you're gonna have time that's you're gonna have off. Know the season of your life and I think you should always understand and ask yourself, what season is it? You know why? Because I believe balance is a myth. I told this to Andy a couple weeks ago because he was leading worship the Sunday. I was supposed to preach on this, but we did two weeks of work. So I believe balance is mostly a myth because you don't really find that in, in, in life, really. There's very few things in life that have balance. It's more about seasons, and seasons weave themselves in and out of each other. So it's not like you're gonna even out your work with your rest. Or It's, it's, it's knowing where you are. And I believe faithfulness shows itself greatest in the extreme circles and seasons of life. And you're inadequate, by the way, for every season that you encounter. 
you are inadequate. So that feeling that you feel like, I can't say, you're inadequate for it. You know why? Because you've never lived that season. God has. He was, he is, he will be. And he's completed. He's finished. And you can be satisfied in that. Last thought. I think you should learn to take Sabbath at work. This is a countercultural thought, but I want to propose it to you. I think you should learn to take Sabbath at work. What that might mean is that you may have fewer goals at work. (laughs) I know you think I'm crazy when I say this. I've intentionally implemented it in my own life. I would love to tell you story after story with opportunity that we've turned down because we're just not going to add something else to our plate. Opportunities that could be amazing for us and amazing for our church. We've just turned down. You said we're going to have fewer goals. That may mean that you get behind a little bit in your career. (gasps) But it may be right for you in this season of life that you get behind a little bit in your career to be a better disciple. So when is your day off? What does your Sabbath discipline look like? It's gonna be good for you to recalibrate your life, your job, what you do, and filter it through the lens of Scripture. We had this series because we said there's a lot of conventional wisdom out there that would teach us how to do life, how to have better finances, how to have a better spiritual life, seven things to do to make your work better, how you, can, how you can take a day off and ultimately come back refreshed and relaxed. I wanna tell you, conventional wisdom can be good in a lot of ways, but when you look through the lens of scripture, I promise you, the discipline of Sabbath rest is gonna take you further than conventional wisdom would ever take you. So when's your day off? How's your discipline of Sabbath working? Let me pray for us, we're gonna sing a song, we'll be done. Jesus, I know this is a difficult concept in a city like Los Angeles. God, it seems difficult when there seems to be nothing happening. We're always trying to force something. It's all we can ever think about. It'd be difficult to rest. God, I pray that you would meet the deepest part of our needs when it comes to this discipline. You would speak to us about the why. A reprieve from ourselves is why we need Sabbath. God, there are people in this room that are exhausted physically, emotionally, all across the map. God, would you just speak earnestly and deeply to them today? God, thank you that you know every season. You're not surprised by them. God, I thank you that you remind us that we're inadequate for this new season, whatever it may be, because we've never lived it. But praise God, you have, and you see it, and you know how we're going to get to the other side. And in that thought, we can trust, and we can worship. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.